0: Welcome back to Binge List, your weekly guide to finding the best on Aussie TV. Joining me in the studio are Who Magazine's resident TV experts, Claire Rigdon and Gavin Scott. Hi, guys.
1: Hi, I'm up from Melbourne. Hello. Hello, welcome. Hi.
0: This week we've got two huge revivals and some big surprises, so let's get straight into it. Well, the last revival of comedy classic Arrested Development didn't go exactly to plan, but this offbeat favourite is back yet again. Season five has started on Foxtel's Comedy Channel with an eight-episode binge. Gavin, viewers might be a bit cautious after the mixed reception uh, that season four got, should they be?
2: They should be cautious, and and season four was a real mess. But let's backtrack to the very start with of Arrested Development story, and it is a complicated story, like it is. like season four. So it started in two thousand and three. It ran for three seasons, and it was always you know the little show that could. It was always on the brink of cancellation, and it kept going for for three seasons, and gradually developed this cult following between two thousand and six and two thousand and thirteen. Demand for it grew. People were watching it on DVD box set things like that and then a revival came around in season four pretty much due to popular demand. And then season five, which we have now, is, is the follow-up to the to the fourth season. Should, should
1: we tell everybody, for those who seriously don't know, what, what it actually is about? Yes,
2: let's do that. Yeah. Um, so, it's about the Bluth family, yeah. who are uh, property developers. Uh, they, they run a banana stand. They, they've got all these... um <laughs> so, random.
1: So, so random. So random.
2: They've got all these businesses. And in the pilot episode, the father, George Sr., is arrested by the Securities, um, or SEC, whatever that stands for, and... And hauled off to jail because he's been, you know, doing dodgy things with money. And Michael, played by Jason Bateman, has to try and bring the family business back, you know, back back on track. Mm-hmm. And his family are crazy. They're, they're pretending like none of it's happening, and they're still spending all this money they don't actually have. And he's the straight guy in the middle, trying to get yeah, you know, just get everyone to realize what what they're into. And across it all, there's this narration by Ron oh, Howard.
1: Yeah, amazing. And and this the, is the story of one family lost it all. Every episode starts with that, doesn't it? Yes.
2: Yeah. And Ron Howard's uh, narration became kind of this this uh, took on a life of its own, and there, you know, there are memes about it and, and yeah. you know, you see on Twitter people. He's
1: always in the back of my head at family gatherings, you know, like when my family are being crackers. It's just like in my head I've got like Ron Howard narrating our like Christmas dinners and stuff.
2: That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so season five. Okay, So so... Um, instead of resetting after season four, which was 15 episodes that because of scheduling conflicts with the actors, they couldn't get them all together. And that was a lot of Arrested Development's appeal. There's this great ensemble cast all bouncing off each other. In season four, they filmed individual stories and you had to basically watch the entire season to make head or tails of it. And, in fact, they went back and recut season four so that you could watch it in chronological order. That's
1: never a good sign, is it?
2: No, the, the, you know, like um, director's cut Mm -hmm. of of Arrested Development. So season five, the first episode, is this 20-minute Ron Howard narration of everything that happened in season four.
1: Previously on Arrested Development.
2: Which goes on and on and on as he tries to, you know, pull together all these disparate uh, story threads and uh, make it make sense. And obviously if you're a fan, you will have watched it all and you will have loved it and you probably don't even need the, the big I refresher. I needed it. And I needed it because mm. I dipped out halfway through Season same, 4. Same, same. So I did need it but I could, 20 minutes into Episode 1 of Season 5, I was like, when are we getting to the new stuff? When, when yeah, is-
1: I did feel like it took until Episode 3 to kind of get going with the new stuff. Yes. But, yeah, I'm a bit like you, Gav. I, I really enjoyed revisiting this because it has been some time since I religiously watched it. I'm a bit like you. I did – Um, dip back in for the reunion season four reunion Um, it was all a little bit confusing but then sort of by episode three it does start to hit its straps and actually there's some very funny in jokes um, with Ron Howard (laughs) in the most recent one but um yeah look I really I have to admit I'm I'm struggling with this I'm struggling to watch this show now without all of the stuff that happened last week with that disastrous New York Times interview that the cast did. If you've been living under a rock and don't know what I'm talking about, uh, they all sat down with a reporter from the New York Times uh, and discussed – one of the things discussed was Jeffrey Tambor uh, and he obviously plays the the, the father um, and he it recently got into a pickle – Um, with some sexual harassment claims on the set of Transparent. They talk about that. What they also talk about is, um, yeah, there's all this stuff about the fact that he actually um, sort of verbally abused Jessica Walter who plays Lucille Bluth. I didn't even know about all this stuff so I was like, what? Mm. And then they address it and then you have all the men in the cast like Jason Bateman and, and various others sort of mansplaining to Jessica and Alia Shawcutt, who's the only other female cast member present in this interview, oh, but this kind of thing happens in the industry, and to listen to it. Like, it's one thing for them to have reported this in the New York Times, but... They actually also provide an audio snippet. So the actors involved can't try and backpedal their way out of this by saying it was all quoted out of context. You listen to this and you're like, no, these people are explaining away harassment and that's not okay. So for me, I find it completely impossible to dissociate all of that stuff now with the show, which is such a shame because it's really funny and it's a great show.
0: Yeah, I agree Scandal's really haunting this show now It seems almost stained to me Yeah um, Everyone's talking about how Portia de Rossi's um, bizarre appearances Are distracting from what's going on on screen She's there under a sheet half the time Or she's been blatantly spliced into group shots with digital effects She's even said that she didn't want to be on the show But she was written into five episodes anyway And that's got people speculating That maybe she didn't want to be there Because of what was going on with her co-stars yeah, Possibly, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So the relaunch of this show has been overshadowed by off-screen dramas and no-one's really talking about the jokes anymore. And we've seen this play out on a much grander scale with what's just happened with Roseanne. Oh,
1: my God. Can we talk about Roseanne? Because we talked about this a few weeks ago and um, at the time I think we were saying that it it was quite difficult to to – separate Roseanne the actor from Roseanne the show, oh, my God, it all uh, all our worst fears came true, didn't it? Because we <laughs> yeah. loved this show, yeah, but it was, now it's been cancelled. It was
0: fantastic. And, you know, even a lot, though a lot of people who did watch the show – thought it was hilarious, the political tensions off screen because of her support of Donald Trump.
1: Her racist tweet. Yeah, then
0: that horrendous racist tweet means that the show now is literally redundant, which is a shame because there are so many talented people, hundreds of cast and crew.
1: So angry about that. Imagine how angry Sarah Gilbert is. She was well, one of the producers. Until she, she gets Darlene. her own show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's got to be an inevitability, right?
2: That yeah. it's rumored that yeah, there'll be a spin-off um Dan around and Darlene and Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Or, or yeah, Dan or J- everyone but Roseanne. Oh
1: god. <laughs> what a train wreck.
2: But it is it is a real shame when what happens off screen uh, distracts from what is ha- what you're watching on screen. And with totally. yeah, with Roseanne it's completely tipped the balance now and you can't watch Roseanne. We actually we won't be able to watch yeah. Roseanne because no. it's gone. Um, because of what happened off screen. With Arrested Development, um, if, if you can put it out of your mind, uh, all the stuff, all the news stories about that show, and if you can get through the first couple of episodes where they're, you know, really flogging that dead horse of season four. You do get into the new stuff and it is great to see the cast bouncing off each other again. It's funny. You know, they're they're such a wacky family. Especially the
1: cousins. Is it wrong that I really want the cousins to get together? Well, that's, I mean. It's just so wrong, isn't it? So
2: wrong, but so, so right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Binge List. Brought to you by Who Magazine. Well, let's move on to another show that's resurrecting a franchise that uh, once used to work really well, and this one has done it much better than Arrested Development. Now, it's been a long time since The Karate Kid was a relevant part of any of our lives, but the 1984 teen classic starring Ralph Macchio has made an unlikely return in the new series, Cobra Kai. It's screening on YouTube Red with the first two episodes free and the rest available via subscription. Now, guys, I absolutely love this and I Mm. wasn't expecting to at all. This is the perfect example of how to continue and update a franchise from another era. The premise was really clever, wasn't it, Claire?
1: Yeah, I loved this. And it's funny because until, Gavin, you said, we need to check this show out, I was like, what? 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 There's a remake? Hang on, the Will Smith kid one? No, No. what? And then I was like, Hang on, YouTube Red? What is YouTube Red? Like, I (laughs) and I'm a, I'm like a TV writer. I've got, you know, we've been working together for like 15 years. I didn't even know that this service existed. So let's backtrack a little bit. I really liked this and I wasn't expecting to. I mean, if you're a kid of the eighties, you you know the karate kid well. You would have watched it. You might have had an action figurine that does karate chops like my husband did, which we <laughs> recently found on a trip back to Nana's house at Christmas time. Awesome. Oh my god, amazing. Googled how much it was worth. Six bucks, not very much. <laughs> but look, I am um, this took me right back to the 80s. But what I really love about this show is that it totally subverts the expected plot trajectory. Like when you guys think karate, moving the karate kid on into the present day, catching up with where all the characters are at, you're going to think it's going to be a show about Ralph Macchio, right? Yeah. And about what happened to him in the years since. Nope. This show is about Johnny. Evil Johnny. Um, and actually, uh, what, and what's become of his life? Obviously, you know, last scene getting getting a high up to the head by... The crane. The crane, yeah, and dropping to the ground and Cobra Kai, all those crew just kind of like getting defeated in the best possible way. Well... Don't think that that's going to happen in this. Actually, this show is all about Johnny and you kind of end up rooting for him and Ralph Marchio's character is kind of a bit of a douche (laughs) (laughs) and he runs a car car dealership. But I love the premise that he's setting up his – so basically Johnny decides to resurrect Cobra Kai and he decides to set up a dojo to school the kids of today on the importance of fighting back. And not being lame millennials, which yeah. is just so funny. But, I mean, like, seriously, Gavin, tell me. Uh, you, you loved it too, right?
2: I did love it. And and what I loved about it was seeing scenes from the original movie. They got all yeah. the original rights holders on board with this. All, all, you know, Ralph and William Zabka, who plays Johnny. I never would have known his name before this. And, like, this. he's done
1: nothing in the intervening years, right? Not
2: much. He played himself on How I Met Your Mother. Amu- oh. Amusingly He was uh, Barney's <laughs> Best man Or something And you know, then a storyline In that But um, it's great Seeing all the old Shots from the Original movie And seeing Pat uh, Marita Who's no, no longer With us unfortunately And seeing Elizabeth Shue Who was the love <gasps> Interest in the oh, original Oh god
1: Is she gonna is I, she would, watch, lo- yeah, oh I my, would love Yeah I would love her To come to, back Yeah she's got to um,
2: But it's more than Just a nostalgia trip They show those scenes So you know For the people Who don't know The the old movie So that they can Get the context of it um, But this goes Way beyond just being a nice stroll down memory lane, Claire. As you mentioned, obviously, they, they flip it so that uh, Johnny is the underdog and Daniel is, is He's the, the anti
1: hero. That's
2: right. And um, but they are also setting up a whole new generation of characters. Uh, Johnny is is training a, a guy called, called Miguel, who is kind of like Daniel LaRusso. He's yeah. the new Daniel LaRusso, he gets beaten up, and Johnny's taking him under his wing. And being kind of really tough with him. There was one great scene where Miguel asks him how to clean the windows and you're waiting for the wax on, wax off <laughs> reference. He's like, oh, I don't really care. Do it any way you want. Hey! So that was that was Singer! fantastic. Um, and there's Miguel's uh, peers. There's Daniel's got two kids and they're at the same high school as Miguel. And and so there's this whole new uh, set of teen characters. So it's basically setting up a new teen drama yeah. with the Daniel-Johnny rivalry playing Behind it
1: So fascinating Isn't it It
2: is
0: But Matt I know you love The 80s references As well oh, oh look I was smiling All the way Through at the 80s references I love the way They set up Bad Boy Johnny You know With the opening shot To show him As a loser By having him Laying in a pile Of Doritos <laughs> um, and, and, and then the shot Of him cruising The streets In his tragic 80s sports car Oh listening my god to, Tragic Yeah Listening to poison Ain't nothing But a good time You know Showing summer. showing him To be a racist loser By having him Call uh, the, the Latino name menudo yeah. um, i loved that he got inspired by watching iron eagle on on uh, vhs that <laughs> terrible old 80s top gun ripoff movie this just <laughs> hilarious i saw an interview uh that the where the producers claimed that this wasn't meant to be like a quote self-aware nostalgia trip but then he's cruising around listening to foreigners head games straight out of a cheesy 80s movie um but this definitely Isn't a big joke It's it's not uh, Played for laughs It's done very well And they got the tone Just right It's not satire It's a very well Done homage Sort of blended in With a modern Contemporary yeah. story Hard to do Yeah yeah And I love the way That Ralph's character Is you know The, the so called Winner in life Also gets a gentle Mocking you know With the fact that His success as a Cheesy car salesman Is based on his Karate fame And he uses his Karate <laughs> moves To flog cars on TV And gives the people bonsai plants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really, really funny, really funny. <laughs>
1: Everyone who, who buys a car gets a bonsai. Oh, what a <laughs> do.
0: Yeah, I think YouTube Red is really on a winner with this and the audience figures um, that you can see show that uh, Netflix have got something to worry about, wouldn't you say? I would say, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting what you said,
2: Claire, at the start about YouTube Red. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't really across the fact that this was a new streaming service on the um, on the, on the horizon. Mm, and when I first saw stuff, stuff f- about Cobra Kai, I thought it was an ad. I thought, oh, they've got the guys from Karate Kid to, to advertise. I don't know, some chips or a car or something. It's like, oh no, it's a TV show. And yeah, it's ten episodes, and you can you know if you want to watch the whole thing, you can add to your stand and your netflix you can now subscribe to youtube red and they do have other original programming as well where does it stop though like where how many it stop? Yes. you know
1: all of a sudden once upon a time we paid our license fee and we got you know three channels and now <laughs> we're spending like 120 dollars a month on streaming stuff like yes god it's sending me broke i know it,
2: it <laughs> is i would say cobra kai is is i would almost say it's worth it
1: it's totally worth it it's <laughs> it is totally it's worth an it.
0: excellent excellent yeah. show Okay, it's TV news time again and Nine's trashy reality franchise Love Island is trying to shake things up in the digital era by targeting an audience not through the main channel but on Go, where it airs uh, Sunday to Thursday, and also on Nine now. On some days it's been getting uh, around 30% of its audience on the streaming platform, but what about the show itself? Claire, how are you finding it?
1: Oh, look, I tuned in to the first episode um of this show, I was quite interested because I interviewed Sophie for a cover story for Who um, a couple of weeks ago just before she was about to head off to Spain to film this and she'd kind of given me a little bit of a behind the scenes chat about what the show was about and what they're expecting to do with it and, and so I was kind of intrigued to see how it would play out. I was also really interested from like a TV industry point of view to see how how it would feel watching a show like this on on nine secondary channel turns out it's a great fit mm. i mean there were a lot of kind of press articles and like oh nine will be so disappointed with the numbers and you know it's not rating but no that's not the case they've been really happy with it um it's it's attracting the right demographic people are finding it the people who it's targeting which are younger people uh, are more likely to watch it online anyway like you know you talk to sort of teenagers these days and they're like what's a tv you know like <laughs> But anyway, I, I love it. Like it feels to me um, as if, you know, I read someone said something that Love Island is basically a show where they've cast a whole heap of divinas from Married at First Sight. <laughs> but that's entirely the reason why I like it because, you know, it's not trying to be a social experiment. It's not, it's not trying to get people to find the love of their life. It's cast really hot people. On a, you know, on a show where they're going to just get up to mischief and cheat on each other and have sex and we all get to watch it. Uh, there's been no Duna dancing so far, but, like, let's face it, that's part of the reason we're all tuning in. Mm. I actually like it because it's not trying to be anything other than good trash TV.
0: Yeah, this really, this show really is total sewage. But
1: that's, okay. <laughs> but that,
0: I think that's okay when both the producers and the viewers know it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, There's the like ca- a tacit agreement between the two yeah, of us, where yeah. we're like, you produce the 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 sewage, and <laughs> no, that's a bit harsh. You know, you 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 make it, we'll watch it. I mean, we are already dressed up as other things, like social experiments with married at first side like yeah. we love it we love it don't we yeah like, i mean enough.
0: but the question is do the contestants know that this is trash because it's less easy to judge some of them seem to be taking some of this a bit too seriously but as you say this isn't like mafis you know married at first side which you know has the gall to pretend to be a serious social experiment yeah
1: and yet then you go on to see them all on instagram you know milking every second of their five minutes of fame and you're like oh Right, turns out you were all just like massive fame halls.
0: Yeah, Love Island understands it's all about trashy people fighting and having sex. Gavin, what do you think of the contestants? I
2: mean, obviously these people are mind-numbingly vacuous and, <laughs> <laughs> and they're obsessed with their looks. One guy you know, in the bathroom was saying, dropped his towel, do I have a good ass?" He asked one girl and
1: he did have a good ask. He did. He's been (laughs) been, been quite serious
2: about it. Another guy is, oh, I've been told I'm a good spooner. Like this is the conversations
1: they have. Well,
0: spooning is a skill. Well, it it is, it is. But
2: But
1: maybe this is, maybe we're just really old. Maybe this is what young people are talking about in the clubs, Gavin. Well, maybe, <laughs>
2: maybe it is. Maybe they're doing it in the clubs as well. But um, the, I, I got, also got the impression as, as as body confident as they clearly are, they're also quite insecure, a lot of them, just you know, despite the looks and the bodies they've got or maybe because of that. And I think it's the situation they're in because they're basically being pitted against each other yeah. with, you know, if you don't couple up, you are going home. This is yeah. the premise of the show. And so the stakes are high, I guess. In
1: yeah, <laughs> because the longer you're on the show, the, the more, more insecure. Instagram followers you get the exactly. more you know sponsorship deals you end up with yada yada blah blah vomit vomit yes
2: and <laughs> and so I feel yeah I feel like they they're kind of insecure and I kind of felt sorry for them like there's that girl Erin and Erin is my favorite
1: oh my God Erin and Eden forever
2: and um and she you know says she wakes up every morning and and she's questioning it all and she, and she's any time he's talking to someone else she's like what's he doing talking to her <laughs> which you know if you're already a little bit insecure. It's just compounding it. And, That's kind of and, what I
1: love about this show, though. Which,
2: yes, it is It is the whole um, concept of the show, but uh, the I don't know. The
1: recoupling ceremony? I mean, how evil is that? It's, it's brilliant.
2: It's, it's pretty evil, but I would have liked a few less personality-free zones. There are, you know, I would like some Geordie <sighs> yeah. Shore-type characters, and I know on Geordie Shaw it's because they're plied with alcohol and falling down drunk. But and, there's,
1: and, there's rules, aren't there, on Australian TV that you can only have so many drinks an hour. Yes. I wonder if that applies when you're overseas
2: or whatever. but in, in Spain, in the villa. They're in not Spain. nearly
1: as drunk as I'd like them to be.
2: Well, no, and I think possibly they'd be more interesting if they were. But uh, <laughs> but then I think the Geordie Shore cast are quite naturally funny, whereas a lot of these people I think... Yeah, Gas uh, is
1: hilarious, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. And Charlotte. They were great.
2: So I don't, I don't know that they've ca- They've obviously cast for looks. They haven't necessarily
0: cast for great TV.
1: Which is a bit of a shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, my favourite thing about this show is the guy doing that mocking voiceover.
1: Oh, yeah. What's his name? He's the the Irish guy. guy.
0: Apparently he hosted um, a reality
2: show in Ireland, like The Voice Island or X Factor Island, one of those. Someone was saying around the office this morning. Um, But he's hilarious.
1: Uh, Do you reckon he writes his own gags? Or do you reckon he has some writers writing them for him? Whoever's doing it give them the logie, just just straight out give it to them, he's hilarious, I love yeah, it
0: Yeah, he really establishes the tone for the show You know, I think it's okay to watch and enjoy garbage, and he keeps reassuring me that we're all in on the joke, and that's all that matters.
1: We are, I reckon, I think we can yes. all agree, we're in on the joke, yeah, and we're laughing
2: That's right. Someone who's not laughing any longer is contestant Kim who became the first islander voted out by the Australian public on Tuesday night We had a chat to Kim about her experience and here's what she had to say
3: It felt a lot like high school like I don't know I, if someone said something to me like obviously I'm not going to just let that happen but I'm that person that it's like if someone's having a petty little fight like I don't want to be involved in it and I was, and especially because I was just like especially because I was just like you know tired and not feeling myself I was just like I just don't even have time for this like I'm sorry I'm just not interested I feel like definitely a lot of people in there are feeling that pressure to um get airtime I know like a few of them in there joke about it being like oh you know this is my airtime guys you're stealing it um but um I like I said I just I wasn't myself in there and I I kind of knew in there that one like I wasn't connecting with anyone two I wasn't in any of like you know the drama or the flights I kind of I kind of just gathered that I kind of wasn't really a big part of the show in a way.
1: Who magazine's binge 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 list.
0: Right, it's that time again, uh, to binge or not to binge. Gavin, you've been watching Sandra O's new spy drama, Killing Eve, which is available to binge on ABC iview.
2: I have, and, and I'll preface this by saying this is a favourite of all of ours. It, it's a oh, good week this week. God,
1: Kai. so good. Killing Fantastic
2: Eve. show. It is really good. Um, it's basically treating the spy drama as... as just another job We've all seen Homeland We've all seen These really serious Spy dramas Where everyone's Really great at their job And really competent And, yeah. and really You know Always about the job And doing a good job Well in Killing Eve uh, Eve Played by Sandra Oh Works for MI5 In kind of a Mid-level position And you know for, It's a job for her She, she goes <laughs> she goes in Hungover after A karaoke night <laughs> She kind of has Banter with, with Her office mates it, It's funny That's the thing About this show It's weird yeah. really Really, really funny, which you wouldn't naturally think for a a spy drama.
1: No, there's not a lot to titter about when someone's about to, you know, commit some sort of mass genocide somewhere and they're trying to stop it happening. That's right, that's right. Um, And yet...
2: And yet, in in this show, so um, one of the things that Eve has been preoccupied with is... The idea that there's this female assassin going around Europe killing people. Mm. And so she started collating evidence. It's not her job to do this, but <laughs> um, she is actually good at the job. She's just in
1: security, right? Like she's sort yeah. of, yeah, she's like mid- an operations manager, middle management. Middle management.
2: Yeah. But she's kind of clued into the fact that this is happening and so she started compiling all this evidence and it turns out she's right mm-hmm. and that's the other side of this show is this assassin who is brilliant yeah. and so she's going around bumping people off all around Europe and she's been doing it for quite a while and so she's starting to get a bit smug about it and she leaves clues and, and she's
1: she's, bored. she's just as bored as Sandra O's character is really isn't she exactly
2: so you've <laughs> got these two women who are kind of really good at their job but are, are ready for the next step they they're they're plateaued in their job, and they're going to go head-to-head because Eve is on her trail and this assassin is um then gets wind that Eve is after her. And as the show progresses through the episodes, it really becomes a battle between these two of who can outsmart the other.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really good, that's the bit I love about it because they're just two kick-ass female characters. One is, totally evil and unashamedly so. And the other is Sandra. How good is it to see her back on screens again? So good. Mm. And She was so excellent on Grey's Anatomy.
2: And she's got that narky vibe that we loved about Snarky. Christina on Grey's Anatomy. Oh she's, you know, gosh, very yeah. withering put-downs and sarcastic comments, all that kind of stuff.
1: Who, who are the writers behind this show? Because it, it reminded me a bit of The Thick of It, you know, that British um, sort of comedy, not really a comedy, sort of black comedy about... Westminster, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it kind of um, reminded me of that a little
2: bit. Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, um, fun fact, is the voice of L3 in the new solo Star Wars movie. Oh,
1: what? That's random. <laughs> which,
2: which I randomly discovered on the weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, she's behind it, uh, behind this show. And, it, yeah, it's, even though Sandra Oh is the star, it's a very British show. It's got that British sense it of humour. yeah. And I think Sandra fits into that. The thing I will say is that if you don't like Sandra, um, as an actress, uh, obviously not personally. How could you? <laughs> um, it, you know, I can see how the character of Eve might be a little bit irritating um, because it's very much in the vein of that Christina on Grayson. Yeah, Adam and character. she
1: played that in Sideways, that film as and well. Sideways, yeah, so yes. she obviously plays to type, but...
2: Yeah, so if you don't like that type of character, you, you may not. You may have issues with
0: this show But uh, but Matt, you agree with Claire and I, don't you? Oh, look I love Sandra Owen This She's just perfect for the role And this show is so stylish And so well produced uh, You know, the, the menacing opening scene With the little girl in the ice cream parlour Was terrific Oh,
1: amazing Because <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be funny, right? So yeah. I started yeah. watching this Thinking it was something really menacing was happening You see these opening shots of this girl, right? Like Yeah, mac yeah mac. It's oh, so, it? so
0: unusual and It had me right on the edge of my side I didn't know exactly where that was going to go And I loved all the European locations. They were terrific Mm. And the tone of gritty realism You know, lines like Your killer was a small-breasted psycho (laughs) And I think my favourite scene Was uh, Sandra taking the phone call on the loo You know, that frankness That British frankness That you certainly don't get in most American shows Yeah,
1: like someone in this show Goes to take a toilet break You know And something very pivotal in the plot happens while she's on the loo having a wee, which is so funny because when does that ever happen in TV, ever?
0: Jack Bauer never took a toilet break. No. No. No, (laughs) I totally loved it. Did you guys? Yes, I think you did. Binge, binge,
1: binge. binge.
0: Yeah, watch it, everybody. Kathleen Peterson was found dead at the bottom of the couple's staircase. Peterson's husband is novelist Michael Peterson. The cop was on me, instantly.
1: There was sufficient evidence to warrant a trial. The injuries are not consistent with a fall down the stairs. The charge? First-degree murder.
2: No way in this world my father ever would have hurt Kathleen.
3: We're like, Dad, we believe you.
0: He wanted to give the appearance that this was a wholesome, functioning family. Well, that simply is not true. Now, from fictional Crime Stoppers to real-life crime, I've previewed The Staircase, which is coming to Netflix from June 8. So Netflix has quickly become the home of great real-life crime docos, and this new 13-part series is going to have genre fans talking all night long. This show deals with the 2001 death of Kathleen Peterson, who was found in a pool of blood at the bottom of her stairs. Her husband, um, who's a novelist named Michael, swears it was an accident, but lots of evidence seems to, to suggest that it was foul play. Adding to the drama, it's been revealed that he's been having gay affairs. Oh, yeah, the suggestion is that she found out and he killed her. There are also claims Gosh. that investigators seriously contaminated the crime scene, which is something that needs to happen in all of these Netflix shows. Mm. And there's even a bizarre theory that she actually died tussling with a with an owl that flew into the house. <laughs> <laughs> what?
3: Yeah. So is this,
1: tr- this, isn't a, this is this, isn't
0: this is this a, is a doco. This a is doco, not something right. that someone's made tussling up. Tussling
1: with
0: an owl. Yeah, yeah. And not helping Michael was another strange death in his past. Gavin. Ugh. Yeah, I haven't watched this one. People were talking
2: about it in the office the other day and, and they were saying they loved it. For me, I'm still... As much as I loved Evil Genius, I'm actually still not finished it. Same. Because, um, you know... True actually,
1: cr- no, I did finish it, yeah.
2: True crime docos aren't my natural preferred genre. No. So my question to you, Matt, is, is it as good as Evil Genius?
0: Well, I think that Evil Genius knew about the importance of brevity. This one is to binge if you really love well-made uh, real-life crime docos. It's often quite forensic in its examination of all the details, which some people may find a bit ponderous. Uh, this show is not usually edited for cheap sensation. It's for people who want to slowly examine every detail and to observe the personalities, and there's some really odd ones here. Mm. If you're intrigued about this Case, but have a short attention span and maybe want uh, more immediate gratification. That's me. Check out yeah. um, another Netflix show, *Forensic Files*, which did a single episode on this very same case. Right, and that's okay. Yeah, that's t- titled "A Novel Idea." Cool. Okay. Good
1: to know. Yeah, I'm. I can't. I can't go any more crime. We've done way too many. And if and if <laughs> and if the Jablaz brothers aren't across it, I'm just not interested. <laughs>
0: Well, Claire, I know what's next is going to get you over the line. This week's hidden gem is comedian Ali Wong, who has two comedy specials on Netflix uh, titled Baby Cobra and Hard Knock Wife. Uh, Claire, you
1: love these, didn't you? Oh my God! Can I do like a little girly squeal and yes. go yes? Um, look, this one-hour comedy special that dropped recently, um, Hard Knock Wife, by US comedian Ali Wong, it, it, look, you know what, um, it probably has passed you by, maybe. Last year, she had a great um, special that was uh, that was on called Baby Cobra. And um, I didn't really know anything about her or her comedy until the guy that I sit next to. Um, at work was talking about the fact that there's this great comedian on Netflix and you should check it out. I was like, mm, whatevs. But I quite like dipping into these Netflix comedy specials. There have mm. been a heap more of them since this dropped this time last year or whenever it was. Um, I'm so glad I discovered it because Ali Wong is hilarious. Uh, in fact, she's now one of the biggest comedy stars in the world thanks to this word of mouth special. Um So, she performed the first special, Baby Cobra, when she was heavily pregnant with her first child. Um, She's in her third trimester. She's an Asian woman. She's very pregnant. Just from the get-go, you're like, this is going to be something a bit different. Um, And uh, her humour is really, really rude. Yeah. (laughs) It's really out there, inappropriate and really, really funny. Nothing nothing is off limits and there's something extra fun about listening to her that particular type of comedy from someone who is heavily pregnant which you would normally associate with oh just rest up and oh what a special time in your life and oh you know baby ducklings and johnson's baby powder and no there (laughs) is no she is so out there and um yeah so the second comedy special she's still pregnant which is weird But uh, spoiler alert, these were filmed two years apart. She's heavily pregnant with her second kid in this one. Um, So it's in a similar vein except this time everyone knows who she is and she talks about this in her second special about the fact that She's become super mega famous and there's this very funny gag about the fact that she's uh, she's still a tight a tight ass. She's negotiating to buy a bike helmet off Craigslist and she's offered huh. five bucks and the guy's like, hey, hang on, aren't you Ali Wong? Aren't you like really rich now from your... Anyway, she's like, yeah, but you're racist. We don't all look the same, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing, which is very funny. Um, if you were easily offended, guys, you are going to hate this, but if you like a bit of stupid, ridiculous out there wrongness which is basically she's my spirit animal right
2: <laughs> I, I started watching it um just before the podcast i didn't get very far in because we had to come and record but she's scary she's I,
1: really scary i was
2: watching uh the new one hard knock wife and uh yeah it was quite very lots of yeah mum jokes and having lots kids and I've, I've got a toddler so i, I could relate to yeah. the kid jokes and how yeah sometimes you just like have had enough yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but she's scary
1: Oh yeah, look, she's she's like a little pocket dynamo, this woman. Yeah. And um she's really good friends, I think, in real life with Amy Schumer, which gives you an idea. Like she her and Amy Schumer are kind of cut from the same cloth. And actually she's got something really interesting and quite feminist to say about this and, and she sort of subverts that kind of um what is expected of A, a female comedian, B a female Asian comedian, and C, a female Asian pregnant comedian. You know, like it's triple it's, threat. Yes, yeah, triple threat. She <laughs> has a lot to say about all of that stuff. And um, it's very, very clever. Expect to see a lot more from her. She's going to pop up in a few um, comedies and things. Matt, uh, I know that sort of mumsy jokes aren't your thing.
0: But I do love crude humour. So oh, my God. I am going to persist with Ali Wong. I yes. think it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but that's one for the weekend for me. Yeah. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us again. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Binge List on iTunes and Omni. And if you'd like to chat to us, we're all on Twitter. So look out for Scott 99 I am Claire and Mr. Matt Denby. We'd all love to hear from you. So until next time, happy viewing.
1: Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50